powerful collaborations, cutting-edge science, and curious minds coming together for a glimpse of the future. Stay tuned as we look at the latest updates on some of the most promising technology projects. Welcome to the EUvation podcast. Today we will speak with Orloff Eriksson from Vianeer, a world leader in automotive safety products. He brings us up to date on the car to terra project in which he is a consortium partner. This European Union H2020 project is making strides with in-car sensing using terahertz frequencies, which will aid autonomous driving and crash safety. Welcome, Mr. Ericsson, to our podcast. Thank you. car to terra started, what, about a year ago? Uh, that's correct. Early 2019, yes. And can you just give us an idea of what car to terra is all about? And when I say what is it about, I mean, for the average person... Why is car to terra important? So in car to terra, we are looking at two different applications. And one is an automotive radar, a car radar. And the other one is a high-speed data link based on fiber connections. Uh, so from my side, I'm looking at the automotive radar. And why it's important is because in the future, when we're going towards autonomous cars, we will need to have much more knowledge about what's inside the car and what's outside of the car. Uh, and we need to have, it's not like pictures, it's we need to understand what is going to happen in the next few milliseconds or seconds. So, so we need to have a very accurate sensing uh, and the radar is a good solution to this. It seems like most times when we say radar, people might be thinking outside the car, but you're focused specifically on the inside. In, in this case, for car to terra, we decided to look at the inside of the car and the in-cabin monitoring. And the reason is that currently there is a lot of interest in, in this in-cabin monitoring. And the solution today is based on cameras and Although they are very good, they, they don't fulfill all the requirements. So we want to see if there is some other solution, technical solution that can do this. Okay. And your interior uh, sensing equipment is uh, at a special frequency, something that is relatively uh, new in, in car radar technology. Right. So we're looking at 240 gigahertz. Today, most radars are working at 77 gigahertz. So this is a dedicated automotive radar band so it's allowed worldwide we think that there will be a new band that will be allowed soon at 120 gigahertz uh, but in car to terror we are actually looking at 240 gigahertz and there is a reason for this uh, the higher you can go in frequency and the smaller the wavelength and the wavelength is very important because it tells you Two things. Either you can make a very small sensor because the size of the sensor is proportional to the wavelength, or you can make a sensor that has a very good resolution. Resolution is important, but a resolution in, in angle. And you need the antenna size, you need to get good resolution. It's also proportional to the wavelength. So for both both of these cases, either a small sensor or uh, an antenna with very high angular resolution, 
okay, I'm getting very technical here, but um, the, the, with the, this high angular resolution, it uh, helps to get it to a smaller wavelength. That means a higher frequency. And maybe in, in, in the future, we will go even higher. But for now, we want to see, is it possible to actually make a product that works at 240 gigahertz and what performance will it get? So this is what Carter Terror is about. And the high resolution that I'm talking about is needed inside the car because we are looking at people sitting in the car and we don't just want to measure or detect that there's a person that we want to actually see all the parts like a picture, a camera picture uh, of the human with the radar. Uh, so the high resolution, let's call it many pixels, is important uh, in this case. And we can achieve this at 240 gigahertz. And I guess people might be asking, why do they need to know what's going inside? Why do we need to know how many people and what position these people are in? Can you give us a scenario where this information is, is important in carrying out some sort of task? We're talking about the applications and we're talking about use cases. So the applications in the car, it's in-cabin monitoring consists of many applications. And one could be driver monitoring. So we want to know what is the driver doing? Is he attentive is he driving the car actively can we trust him but we also want to see if his head is turned forward so that he actually is looking on the road or if his hands are on the steering wheel because all of this is important for the uh, let's call it a advanced driver assistance system where we help the driver so if we know that he's not his hands are not on the wheel we can either warn him tell him to put them back or, or we can actually do some active control of the car like lowering the speed or, or even drive to the side of the road uh, automatically. We also want to see his physical status even though he might be looking forward he, his, he might be very tired and if we can measure for example his heartbeat or breathing pace we could do some conclusions on how uh, fit he is to drive the car. There are additional applications which are called um, seating positions. Uh, and this is when we activate in, in a case of a, an emergency, in case of a crash, we need to activate uh, passive safety systems like airbags, seat belts, and so on. And we only want to do that where we know that there are people uh, and that these people are sitting in the right position so that we don't make things worse with activation of these passive devices. So we want to measure what are the positions of the driver, of course, but also of all the passengers in the car. And there are also these, what you have already today, uh, you, when you sit in a car and you don't put on your seat, but you get a warning. Uh, these systems today are actually very expensive. Uh, and if we can do this with the radar, we would actually save a lot of money for the car manufacturers, but we could also have a more robust system so we can distinguish between a box which you put in the, inside the car or if it's a human sitting there. And if it's a human, obviously, we need to tell them to put on the seatbelt. Um, your work in this project is at 240 gigahertz. Is there a limitation to this? Is there only a certain range where you can do testing right now? Is there some sort of regulation involved with this? Absolutely. There are different um, legal or, or um, advisory committees all over the world. And the, the ITU is the main um, 
regulatory body. Um, that's the International Telecommunication Union. Uh, and they recommend which frequency band should be used and for what they should be used. At the moment, the 240 gigahertz do have a band that we may use for testing, but this band is kind of limited in bandwidth. So we want to use a wider bandwidth for the final application. So in Cartutero, we do have some uh, tasks which include informing the regulators uh, about the uh, possible performance uh, advantages that we can have with this wider bandwidth. And we try, we would like to influence them to actually give us this wider bandwidth uh, in the future so that we can have uh, this um, car to terror sensor in every car everywhere in the world. Okay. And you mentioned this car to terror sensor. Is this a product of the project? Is this something that you will build? Something that will, will you have a demonstrator at the end of the project? There will be a demonstrator, uh, both for the radar and for the uh, fiber link and communication link. And for the radar, we will do a demonstrator that can be put in a real car. Um, so, and we will test this, actually, this demonstrator in two different setups uh, with real people. So we will have a mock-up car initially that we will put the radar in. So that we, we can verify the basic performance of this radar uh, regarding all the, uh, the qualities that we need. What I talked about earlier, the high resolution but also the accuracy in, in uh, range and actually the position of the persons that we're looking at. Um, and then we will integrate this radar in a real car so that we can have uh, demonstrations for uh, car manufacturers and other interested parties. Okay, and the company that you work for, which is VNR, um, this is kind of what they do, right? So you're at home in this in this yes. arena. So. VNR was split out of Autoliv two years ago. Uh, Autoliv is still doing the, the passive safety devices like seatbelts and airbags, but VNR is doing only active safety devices. So we build systems with sensors and software that makes a perception of, of the world around the vehicle and as well as inside the vehicle. And based on this, we, we take decisions that helps the driver. Either we warn him if there might be a dangerous situation or we actually can help him uh, to some extent uh, in, in case of automatic emergency braking uh, or blind spot warnings. So, so there is something called SAE levels. Uh, SAE is the Society of Automotive Engineers. And they have recommended different levels of uh, autonomous driving. And level zero is basically only warnings and some momentary assistance uh, to the driver where we actually can push the brake automatically. And today, most of the sensor systems are working in this. Uh, eventually, we will go to level five, which is a completely autonomous vehicle. Uh, where you do nothing as a, as a passenger in the car. The car drives completely by itself everywhere and at any time. This will not happen within the next 20 years, but at some point we may get there. Um, so today we are actually working at what's called the level zero to level two, uh, where we take over the car more and more, but the driver is still completely responsible. 
and Vionir is developing all the sensors that are being used in these systems, as well as all the processing platforms that's in the car. Okay. So car to terra is not necessarily addressing the idea of self-driving automobiles, but somewhere between this level zero and two, which is the automobile offering a, a little bit of assistance to the driver. Right. So what will happen is that we add more and more sensors, and that's required to increase the level and this SAA level of autonomy. Um, but of course, the, the in-cabin monitoring will be part of the final solution uh, uh, when we get to level five when the car is driving completely autonomous. So we need a sensor, but it will not solve it by itself, of course. Okay. And one thing that's always interesting is to look at the use cases in projects like these, because this sort of always brings the point home. Many of our listeners often have questions, how does this fit into our society or how will this affect me? So in this way, uh, projects with use cases tend to have a little more interest for the everyday person who's interested in technology, perhaps. So can you talk about your use cases? Is this anything that we can relate to? I think so, yes. Um, so we're talking about applications and use cases. And for each application, uh, there might be different use cases. But what we identified for car to terra and the applications that we actually choose for car to terra, which are the driver monitoring, the seating positions, and which I haven't talked about. The child left in car application is actually when you as a driver have left the car and you maybe have forgotten that your infant is still in the car and we need to detect that this is happening i mean it's a huge problem in some countries like us but it, coming back to to the use cases so for the driver monitoring for example we have what we call the normal driving which is where everything is fine and you're driving on on the road uh, to work, for example, and you do a lot of maneuvers still, you're turning your car and you're looking in the different directions. Uh, so it's a complicated use case where you need to identify what the driver is doing. The second use case is pre-crash, and this is within a second off or before you actually impact something. And in this pre-crash use case, uh, you really can't do much with the car by itself. You can't do any evasive maneuvers. Uh, so what you can do in that case is try to prepare all the passive safety devices. You will not activate them yet, but you can lower the thresholds to make them more sensitive. And after that, you get in a use case, which is called the in-crash. This is with high uh, physical energy going into the car. Yeah, high brake forces uh, and so on and you the body of all the passengers will be moving rapidly uh, so you, you need to be able to measure the speed of the bodies inside a car very accurately at this time and now if you're done everything right in the pre-crash use case all the passive safety is sort of on standby and can be activated very rapidly so the the airbags can be deployed rapidly and with this, the correct force to stop you from moving into some hard parts of the car and sorry there's one final use case uh, then the final 
use case is the post crash. So after you crashed, we would like to use the, this radar to actually f check the physical status of everyone in the car. Um, and that means that we, st we want to check if everybody is still in the car. So when you entered the car initially, we measured you with the radar with this uh, seating position uh, application. So we know that there were, for example, three persons in the car. And after a crash, we want to know if everybody is still in the car. No, so no one has been thrown out of the car. Uh, we also need to check uh, the physical status of people if they need medical care. So we can do that by checking the heart rate or the pulse rate. And then we will send this information through an emergency call. The, in Europe, this is called an e-call. And a lot of cars actually have this already. So what they do is they send the GPS position of the car and then they send uh, the information that the uh, the airbag and seatbelt sensors uh, recorded during the crash. And we would like to add the physical status of the people in the car to this equal. Okay. Are there any health hazards to constantly being monitored by radar in your car, for example? Perhaps you're in your car all day long. It's part of your job. Is there anything to look out for? No, absolutely. This is a difficult question. So, so 240 gigahertz is really high, and there's not been a lot of measurements uh, at these frequencies with respect to health. Uh, there are regulations uh, and recommendations, but these actually end around 100, 120 gigahertz. So there has to be some sort of extrapolation of these values at the moment. And uh, if we look at these extrapolated values, we are way below this uh, health limit uh, with the 240 gigahertz radar. So I'm not concerned about the, the health risk as such, but of course, it will be the same discussion as with um, mobile phones. So for long time exposure, does that have some sort of impact? And this is part of the work that we're doing in car to terror is to look at this, um, to try to find more information or to propose additional measurements in the future to verify that we don't have any health hazard due to this. Okay, but this is something that's always on your mind, right? This is part of the process. Safety for the for the end user. Absolutely. I mean, it's both the the... The, the user has to feel safe. So it's not just saying that we are below any recommended levels. It also has to, we have to show the user that he can be using this without any uh, wor worries that it will impact him or any other users in the car, small children and so on. So absolutely, it's constantly on our minds. And how long does this project go? As we said, it's been underway for not quite a year, but is this a three-year project? Yes, that's correct. So at the end of 2022, we will integrate the, the radar, as I said earlier, into a vehicle, and we will demonstrate this for uh, both internal and external stakeholders. So the uh, pre-development teams within VNR and also car manufacturers. Well, it sounds like there are good things in sight for car to terra but still plenty of work to do. Yep. Best wishes, and we'll stay in touch for regular updates. Thank you for taking the time today. Appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Peter. It's been very nice talking to you. 
This podcast has been brought to you by Technicon. The project leading to this application has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program under grant agreement number 824962.